It's amazing when you stop and consider this power of a story. The power stories have to make us laugh, to make us cry, to make us think. Several months ago, we began asking some of you, what's your story? And the stories you have shared, they've been incredible. And for the past several weeks, we've all been challenged with the question, what's your story? And it's our hope that as we walk through this season of our lives and in the life of the church, we will begin to understand that each of us has a story, a story worth telling, a story worth sharing, a story that is part of the grand narrative of God. Our story is unique. Our story is special. It's important. Our story matters. Our story is a reflection of how the shalom, the peace of God was lost, how each one of us in one way or another, to one degree or another, we, we all sin. We all rebel against God. How we all run from God thinking we know what's best. Our story is a reflection of how we're really just not very good script writers. And as such, we at times feel alone. We're hoping, we're waiting, we're wishing, and we're wondering if God is going to show up. And not all the time, but often it's only when we look back that we are able to see God working behind the scenes. It is then we see how God used events and circumstances and people to influence, to shape, to change, and to mold us into who we are today. I cannot tell you the number of people who have said something related to the idea of, well, God used that, whatever that situation in life was, to get my attention, and it changed my life, and I really wouldn't have it any other way. Often it's in the setting of community, in a family, a small group, or a church, that the story is shared and that lives are changed. That is so much of why community matters. As Ben shared with us last week, we need each other. We need each other when things are going great and when things are not so great. For our time here this morning, I want to propose to you a handful of questions for you to consider. And I begin with this question. Have you ever had one of those 23rd Psalm days? you know, a 23rd Psalm day, you may be asking yourself, well, what's a 23rd Psalm day? Well, it's the kind of day where you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One of those days where life is good, God is good, Jesus is enough. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. You feel peace, at least in part because he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's nothing so big, there's nothing so troubling that you do not believe God can handle it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Life is good, God is good. It's a good day. Have you ever had a day or two like that? A day when you wake up and you just feel refreshed. You feel like you not only slept, but you rested. You do your morning devotion and you have your prayer time and and then you go for a run and you do your four or five mile run and you just feel like you could run all day. You just feel great. You come in and you have your bowl of Cheerios, right? with the, you know, the cold milk and you, you have the bananas that are sliced up on top and, and then you add sugar just enough to make it sweet and you eat that and, and then you get ready and you go to work and, and you come into work and, and as a pastor you come in and people are like, oh, we love you, things are great, your, the messages are changing my life and you're like, oh yeah, it's a great day, right? 
You go home and your family is glad that you came home. They're happy to see you. Oh, dad, I missed you. You eat a wonderful meal as a family. You spend the evening together as a family enjoying each other's company. And you lay down at night to go to sleep and you rest and life is good. You have days like that? I certainly hope so. Those of you who have, I I, I just want you to, to think about that day for a moment. Just remember it. Soak it in for a second. That silly grin that's creeping up on your face, it's releasing endorphins into your brain. You're happier with life. Good things. It's a good day. But we don't always have good days, do we? A lot of times we have bad days. Days when the Lord doesn't feel much like our shepherd. Days when we are in want. Days when the pastures don't seem very green. Days where life is noisy and tiring. Days when we do fear evil for our sake, for the sake of our family. Days when the promise of heaven seems too far away or not real enough or or sufficient. Some days are Psalm 88 types of days. Have you ever had a Psalm 88 day? The, The 88th Psalm is not one that I would guess we are too familiar with. But I would venture to say we are, we are familiar with what it describes. Psalm 88 reads, O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave. Whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You've taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? To those who are dead, do they rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I've been afflicted and close to death. I've suffered your terrors and aim and despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Have you ever had one of those days? A day where life is difficult? When it's hard? When it's full of pain? When there's much Much and many more questions than there are answers. I know I have. Life is difficult. I think it's safe to say that in one form or fashion we can all relate to a Psalm 88 day or maybe even a Psalm 88 season of life. Maybe for you, you have just come through a day or a season like that or maybe it's exactly why you came here today because you find yourself in a Psalm 88 day or season. When we look at the big story, the grand narrative of God, we find stories of people who experience the reality that life is difficult. In the Old Testament book of Job, we read the story of a man who had a bad day. Job, according to the text, was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. 
And then after a conversation between God and Satan about Job, this happened. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came in and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and, and the servants and I am the only one who's escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came in and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Talk about a bad day. Job had a bad day. I think it would be safe to say that even on my worst day, mine could not compare with the experience of Job on that day. Like the author of the 88th Psalm said, Job could say, darkness is my closest friend. But isn't it true that at some point all of us could say that? At one point in our life or another, we all feel like Job, we all feel like darkness is our closest friend. I think that seems to be a reality of life. So what do we do with that? How do we respond to that? Is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? How do we navigate through those Psalm 88 days? Well, I think Job gives us a couple of things to consider. First, we need to recognize reality. And as I thought about it this week, what I like more than recognize is embrace, because that's what Job did. He embraced reality. He embraced the reality of the situation he was in. Look at his response. He got up, he tore his robe, and shaved his head. Now, that may seem a little odd to you and to me, but those were ways to symbolize mourning in Job's culture He was upset, he was mourning, and he showed it. He didn't pretend like everything was okay, that he could handle it. He didn't pretend like everything was going to be fine, because it wasn't fine. And Job knew that. Job mourned, he felt lost, he cried out to God. And I think it's important for us to realize that when we go through tough times, it's okay, it's proper, it's right to mourn. It's okay to respond with gut-level honesty to the reality of, of the situation and embrace that reality because here's what i believe to be true when we mourn we also worship as job mourned he worshiped the text says that he fell to the ground in worship and that means that even on those psalm 88 days those days involve worship even in his mourning in the tearing of his robes the shaving of his head the crying out to god he worshiped and he did not lose his faith and we need to be reminded and encouraged that mourning that feeling lost being sad and discouraged doesn't mean you have a lack of faith in fact it shows that you have a faith because you're crying out to god It doesn't mean you've lost your faith. And in fact, in those moments, we need to realize that God is there, that God is with us. He has promised us that he will be with us. And because of that, we can worship him. Now, can we just be really transparent? 
Isn't that what you expect to hear at church? That God is with us, He has promised us, and because of that we can worship Him? But here's the thing. It's hard. It's hard, isn't it? It's easy to mourn when things are going rough, but in those Psalm 88 days of life, it is really hard to worship. And that's why I'm so thankful for the Scriptures that give us good reminders of why we need to worship and how we worship during those tough times. James gives us an example when he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. The truth is, trials are hard. But I think they serve a purpose. According to what James says, they help you persevere and then they lead to maturity. Peter elaborates on this idea when he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ. Now, Peter touches on something that's very important that I don't want us to miss. You see, Jesus, he too had one of those Psalm 88 days. Remember when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When you feel forsaken by God, just know that Jesus is right there with you. In the grand narrative of God, God decided to suffer with us. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ, to serve as our high priest, as a mediator between himself and his people, between you and me. We read in Hebrews chapter 4, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. You see, one way to worship is to remember that when trials, when suffering, when those Psalm 88 days occur, Jesus, he's right there mourning with you. As followers of Jesus, we participate in his suffering. As much as I wish it were not in the scriptures, that I could remove it, it, we just can't because what we consistently see in the grand narrative of God is this theme of suffering. And in a way that I cannot fully understand and certainly I cannot fully adequately explain, we share in the victory Jesus gained on the cross as we share in his suffering. As believers, we not only have the Holy Spirit within us, but we also have a certain measure of suffering. N.T. Wright says this. He says, we have great joy and great cost. We, the great joy, the Holy Spirit in our life, the great cost, we have suffering. He continues, those who follow Jesus and claim him and proclaim him as Lord, learn both of them. It's as simple as that. In other places in Scripture, we see that, that it furthered the kingdom of It furthered the message of Christ through suffering. In fact, in the book of Acts, one of the main catalysts for the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection being spread to the known world was due to the persecution, the suffering, the, the struggle, the bad days, those Psalm 88 days that the believers were facing. The Apostle Paul, who was all too familiar with bad days, wrote this to the church in Rome. He said, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace into which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now, I don't know about you, but when Paul says there 
that we rejoice in our sufferings, man, that's tough for me to do. It's tough to rejoice in sufferings. And yet Paul understood something about life. I I think Paul understood suffering. I believe it's through his experiences. After all, he was flogged. He was beaten with rods. He was shipwrecked. He was in danger. He went without sleep. He was hungry, thirsty, cold, and naked. Through all of those experiences, he understood. I think he understood the value and the importance and how essential it is to have the Holy Spirit in our life as we go through suffering. See, God has given all believers His Holy Spirit, you and me, all of those who believe in Jesus as Lord. He's given us His presence in our lives. God is with us. He is present with us on the Psalm 23 good days. And He's present with us in those Psalm 88 bad days. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with us. That's what Scripture tells us. That's why when we go through those Psalm 88 days, like Job did, We mourn, but as we mourn, we also worship. Now, I could spend a lot of time talking about how God is always with us and giving us hope and giving us life to the full, and it would be right and proper for me to do so, and I think it would be encouraging to you for me to do so, but we're not going to do that this morning. In reality, here's what I think we need. We, We, when we go through the tough times in life, I think someone giving us the quick, easy answer is not what we want to hear. Even though we acknowledge and we know that they're true, the last thing you want when you are having one of those Psalm 88 days is for some well-meaning person to come up to you and say, well, you know, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. (sighs) Or one of my personal favorites, God must think you are really strong because according to the Scripture, It says God will never give you more than you can handle. There's times I want to say, oh yeah, well how about you handle this, right? I've seen those types of answers given and I think they do more harm than good. I think it points to the fact that when we are in those Psalm 88 days, we don't need answers. We need people. We need presence with a C. Presence. That's what Job needed. Look at what happened to Job. When Job's three friends, Elphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, when they heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud. They tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then, catch this, then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Job's friends, they mourned with him. They sat with him. They didn't say anything. They didn't do anything. They didn't try to give Job answers. Instead, they gave Job their presence. Now, that may seem like a small thing, but if you've been in one of those Psalm 88 days or seasons, you know how important how meaningful and how powerful presence is. One of the problems is we don't do a very good job with presence. Often it's because we don't know what to do or what to say or how to act when someone we know is suffering. We want to fix it, but we don't know how. It makes us feel uncomfortable. 
the reality is oftentimes we put the focus on ourselves, on what we think and how we feel. And what becomes lost is how the other person is feeling. How maybe they feel alone or hurt or depressed. Guilty, angry, empty, frustrated, afraid, uncertain, worried, full of doubts, questioning how they can go on and if they can go on. And while we're trying to figure out, hey, what should I wear and what should I bring and what should I say? Man, we just need each other. We need presence. The other side of the coin is very true as well. When we are in need, when we're going through one of those Psalm 88 days, it is so hard for us to accept presence from other people. We don't want to bother them. We don't want to put them out. We don't want them to feel uncomfortable. And it makes us feel uncomfortable. But that's what we need. We need other people just to be near us and with us. I will never forget when I served as an intern under Leon Weiss. I was riding with him as he headed to the home of a lady who had just lost her husband. All of the family was going to be there. And I remember being really nervous about going there. And so I asked Leon, you know, what do I say? And after a few minutes, we arrived at the house. He put the car in park. And he looked at me. And in his pastoral way, he simply said, they will never remember what you said. Just that you were there. And I didn't realize it at the time, but he was teaching me the power of presence. Now here's what I want you to hear. You do not have to go through a Psalm 88 day, a bad day, a season of life alone. Job had his friends and we have community. We have each other. Sunday mornings, we gather together to worship the Lord through corporate singing and prayer and reading the Bible and and taking communion and giving back to the ministries of the church. We worship as we share in these experiences together. We worship as small groups while we invest in each other's lives and we grow together and we do life together and we, we learn what that looks like. We worship in our accountability groups, those two and three people that we meet with that know us to the core. They ask us the tough questions. We ask them the tough questions. And they encourage us to grow closer to the Lord and to grow closer to each other. We worship when we learn together in the classes that we offer before and after church. We worship the Lord as we serve together in the various ministries and and we do projects and, and participate in the ministry of reconciliation. It's all worship as a response to the life that God has given us in response to the good days and to the bad days and all those days in between. And the reason we worship is because the cross of Jesus Christ is bigger than any trial or any circumstance or any situation that we will ever face. And I pray that you believe that. Because I believe that is true. But I believe this is also true. When it comes to those bad days in life, When I see people suffer, when I see injustice, when I see the struggles and the pain and the heartache and the suffering, not just in the world at large, but in the lives of the people I know and the people I love, it's difficult. I wrestle with this. I struggled mightily to know what to communicate with you today because there are times in life when life just gets really hard. And we don't just have a Psalm 88 day, but we have a Psalm 88 week or month or year or even more. And in those moments, we don't need answers. Because the truth is, 
when those Psalm 88 days occur, there really is no quick and easy answer. Yes, the cross of Christ happened. And yes, the Gospels are true. And yes, we have hope in Christ. But we don't always feel that way all the time. And that's difficult. Because as a believer and as your pastor, I feel like I should have an answer. I desire to fix it. I want to take the pain away. I want to make everything better. And yet when I look at Jesus, and I look at what Jesus did, He came and He entered into the mess of life with us. He entered into those 23rd Psalm days. He also entered into those Psalm 88 days. And as we are called to be about His work, we're called to do the same. And sometimes that means... To just be, to be present. Like Job and his friends before us, we mourn with each other. But as we mourn, we respond to the situation of life by worshiping the Lord, which at times means we just we're just present. We just sit with those who are hurting. And here's the point. Mourning with those who mourn? That's worship. Sitting with someone? Worship. You see, I believe that within life's troubles, God does give us the answer. But sometimes the answer is a question mark. The reality is, my words will never do justice to tough moments in life. We can try to know enough, we can try to believe enough, or we can try to have faith enough, but Psalm 88 days occur. They are a reality. We're going to ask you to pause the message at this point and go to the media player. We invite you to click on the link titled The Importance of Presence and watch the video there. And once you've finished, we invite you to return to this podcast and finish the message. Our response as we sit with each other is an act of worship to the Lord. Like Job's friends did with Job, We mourn with those who are hurting in our midst. And today, we want to invite you to do just that, to just sit with each other, to practice the importance of presence. Maybe you need to reach out and hold the hand of the person next to you, or maybe you simply need to put your hand on their shoulder, or maybe you just need to not move and just simply be near. Today, if you're feeling like Job, if you're in the middle of a Psalm 88 day or week or month or year of life, please let us know. Please know you do not have to go through it alone. We may not have the answers. We don't claim to have the answers. But as a body of believers, we invite you into presence. We can pray for you. We can mourn for you, with you. Don't go through this alone. We invite everyone to experience the truth that you are not alone.